Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. Today is what? Thursday, December 5th. And uh, I think Carrie's there. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Lahren, and I'm joined as always on Deprogrammed. I'm joined by Carrie Smith. Carrie, say something. Carrie? Oh, hey, sorry. Oh, hey, sorry. Hi. Hi. She just doesn't want to talk to us. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to open the chat. I have, there's some kind of, uh, I can hear myself. There's an echo. No, let me turn you down here. Is that better? That's better. I think. Hello. Hello. Yes. That's good. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) There's always some kind of technical thing. Hey everyone. Um, I'm back home done with my secret vacation location. Um, you know, how was your vacation? It was fine, but I gotta say, like, I just have to tell this story because it's affecting me. I'm t- I'm really tired because we got home super late last night, and when we walked in the house, so everyone's tired. My wife's tired. My daughter's tired. I'm exhausted as well. My daughter's practically sleepwalking. It's like 1.30 in the morning. We we open the door, and you know how the alarm like beeps until you disable it. If you have an alarm. Well, the keypad on the alarm was just not working properly. So I couldn't enter my code. I kept trying to enter my code, but like a couple of the buttons weren't working. My wife's code wasn't working because the keypad wasn't working. So then, of course, the alarm goes off, which is super chaotic and crazy. So we're dealing with like this alarm going off and everyone's tired. And like (laughs) then I, I go and find another backup keypad I had somewhere that wasn't plugged in. And I plugged it in and wasn't working. So then I had to go like open the alarm chest and like disable the wire that went to the siren. It was, it was like a nightmare. No one got to sleep later until until very late. It was just a, I don't know. Was it a I'm comedy tired. of errors? All of this is a story to say that I'm tired. Yes, it would have. It's like the modern day bringing up baby. The siren was going off in the background. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, I'm sorry. The phone app? No, Taya. I am um, because I was a cryptographer for. Over a decade, I am paranoid about connecting anything to do with security to the internet. So, uh, no, no, no disabling my alarm from a remote location. I don't trust any app to do that. Um, but frankly, the app's probably more likely to fail than the hardware on a keypad. So, I don't know how you get around the fact that sometimes things fail. Anyway, how you doing, Carrie? What's going on with you? Did you get sleep? I did. I did. I've got a, I've had a, a relaxing couple of days, I guess. Well, I mean, I've been working too, but watching some quality lifetime television. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I think they should call it waste of a lifetime television, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's just like, sometimes you need junk food for your brain the same way you need just every once in a while, a slight indulgence, not like you eat junk food every day, but every once but in a while. Lifetime? Yeah. Lifetime movie network. Full on junk food for your brain. It's yeah, terrible. I think that, that involves estrogen somehow. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so what are we doing today? Hi guys, there's a lot of people in the chat. That's cool. Huh? There's a lot of people in the chat. There is. And Epistavist is excited that we're going to talk uh, talk about logical fallacies. So yeah, we wanted to just talk about um I know so Carrie, you more than me, way more than me you get involved with arguments of social justice warriors online. 
Yes. <laughs> um, I basically just don't talk to social justice warriors online very much. If I get in arguments, it's like with nuanced things about people who are like, I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. I'm a libertarian. I'm like, <laughs> like, you know, all right, fine. I get in stupid arguments like that, but I don't usually, I don't usually go after the SJWs, but you, you bravely combat the social justice warriors online. And, uh, look, there's, there's lots of logical fallacies and argument, you know, argument mistakes that happen, um, whenever anyone argues and we can't possibly exhaustively list all the ones that social justice warriors use because they use all of them at some point because everyone, you know, any, any group of people does. However, I think there are some that are very, very common. Um, some that are more common than others. And Epistivist already brought up one that was on my list right here, which is at near the top of my list, which is the genetic fallacy. Do you want to explain that and talk about some examples of how you may yeah, encounter? You know, you know what might be fun is if I give you some actual examples, anecdotal examples of how this they use these. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wait, well, actually, wait, sorry, sorry, wait. Can we back up? I just realized something. I'm, all, I'm a big fan of backing up and setting context, and we didn't do that. I just want to set a, a little bit of context. Uh, especially after reading and talking about Jonathan Haidt, we're not arguing that if you have a logically impenetrable argument, you will win someone over. That doesn't always happen, obviously. Um, but the reason that it's important to be logically consistent is Logic is the way that we make sure our internal mental model of the world reflects reality. And so if something is self-contradictory in our, in something we're saying or doing, then it can't be, it can't correspond to reality because reality is not contradictory. Um, and if something is internally consistent, but contradicts known uh, observable facts about reality, then obviously also that doesn't correspond to reality. So the whole point in having conversation about things that are right or wrong or things we should do or shouldn't do is to, is to get to the truth. So if your goal is to get to the truth, logic is important. And these are, we're just going to go over some common errors in logic that you can spot usually pretty easily with a lot of social justice words. So that was my, that's my intro, Carrie. So now, yes, let's move on and, and do this. Well, and for anyone like myself who did not learn about logical fallacies, I didn't take any type of um, philosophy or debate in college, I took women's studies, critical race theory. <laughs> so well, the opposite. Yes. Also, also science. I was a biological anthropology major, but I took a lot of that other crap. Uh, but I didn't learn this stuff in school. And so I found this website when I first started trying to um, learn about argumentation. This is a great site. I'm just going to share it quickly. It's uh, yourlogicalfallacyis.com. I like this one because it's kind of humorous. And you can click on each one like straw man fallacy. And they tell you what it is and they'll give you a little example. And I thought this was great just because it also helps you learn what these are so that you don't use them yourself. Because sometimes, I mean, we're all going to use some of these sometimes, but when you're cognizant of what they are, it's easier to, to say, oh, wait, I'm not going to, that's cheap. I'm not going to engage in that cheap way. Let me actually engage in, in good faith. Right. So. Yeah. And that yeah. is a good site. Uh, I do. I do like that site. They have a poster you can get with the logical fallacies. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool to go, because once you start to learn them, you see how often other people use them and how often you yourself might've been using them, but um, they're, yes. it's, it's everywhere. So when SJWs use them, I find that they most often use them to prevent actual engagement. I mean, that's a big part of whenever they're talking or writing on the internet, that almost everything they say 
is and almost everything they express is is meant to stop you from engaging with them there's you're not supposed to question them there's not supposed to be any questions <laughs> there's not supposed to be discussion about it other than what passes for discussion it's like fake discussion where you're just acquiescing and coming into the faith so to speak um yes but yes. but yeah, if, if you're coming into the faith, you can say words, right? But otherwise, <laughs> they don't want you saying words <laughs> that yes. might contradict them or ask them to explain things. And so um, they use logical fallacies to basically shut off discussion from the as soon as they can. So the first one you mentioned is genetic fallacy. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm going to interrupt okay. you. If you're more of a nerd, this is my favorite book on logic. <laughs> it's called Instruction <laughs> Logic by H.W.B. Joseph. You can go buy it somewhere. It's probably nice. on Amazon. I don't know. But uh, yes. And the point of, Carrie, just like what you just said, getting to the truth imply like caring about logical fallacies implies that you're trying to have a discussion to ascertain the truth. That is not the goal of social justice warriors, which is why they use so many logical fallacies all the time, because their goal is not to even get to the truth. It's to just bully you, basically. So logical fallacies are great for bullying. Yeah, it's... Think of it like smoke and mirrors. It's a way of pretending that they they use words to pretend that they're engaging in dialogue, but they're not. They are using these are like rhetorical. These are tricks almost. Think of a, a fallacy is like a trick. It's it's not a real argument. Um, so so take the first one you mentioned, genetic fallacy. Genetic meaning you can think of it as like the source. Where does something come from? Genetic fallacy is when they don't let. Let's say you cite something. You say, oh, take a look at this. Uh, news article about blah 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 or you know or about this new study or about whatever it is you want to talk about and immediately without reading it they say ah oh, that's Breitbart <laughs> or, that's my favorite one of theirs is like oh uh, that was Breitbart. Uh, yeah. or that's Fox News or I've seen people do it on the right as well they go oh Salon you know oh yeah. Huffington Post and so if they immediately just dismiss something because of the source that's genetic fallacy. And it's really easy to spot once you start to recognize it. And, and what I like to say to them is like, look, we're adults. You sh you're, you're, we're all uh, you know, put old enough to put on our big girl panties and go read a Breitbart piece or a Huffington Post piece and be able to discern what is opinion from what is fact. And you, know, you haven't even read it. So how can you <laughs> critique it? Right. You know, it's kind of it's intellectually lazy. It is. Um... But you're making me want to clarify something about logical fallacies. Um, it's okay to do them, provided that you're not claiming to also be in and like making an argument. So if if someone says, you really should read this book by Robin D'Angelo, it's very important. I'm likely to say, ugh, Robin D'Angelo, I'm not going to bother to read the book by Robin. It doesn't sound interesting to me. I know her. And unless it contradicts stuff that she said previously that I already know to be bad, um, I'm not going to bother to read it and I'm going to dismiss it. But I'm not going to claim that that's an argument against the book. It's not an argument against the book. It's just me saying, ugh, I don't want to I don't want to go read that. It's not that's not something I want to read. So you can do that. But someone could rightly say, well, you're not arguing against it. And I would have to say, yeah, that's true. I'm not. I didn't make an argument against the arguments in the book. I just don't want to read the book by Robin D'Angelo. A lot of people did this to me when Mike Cernovich did the movie, the documentary hoaxed and okay, I get it. You could be like Carter and say, I don't want to watch it because I don't like Mike Cernovich and I don't like blah, blah. Okay, fine. But then don't tell me that what hoaxed is or isn't because you haven't actually seen it. 
if you right. do want to con if you do want to talk about the movie then go watch the movie and you have to but, if i was going to comment yeah. on it on what she her arguments in her book i would have to read at least some of the arguments in the book to comment so yeah um so that's good another one that i um i like not like but uh another i guess common one is um is basically just ad hominem, right? And I think everyone knows what ad hominem is, but ad hominem is when you make a personal attack, right? So, um, and they, this can sometimes look similar to like the genetic fallacy, depending on how they're they're doing it. So um, you could say, uh, well, Carrie is just a Nazi, right? She's a horrible person. Carrie's a jerk, so you don't have to listen to her. Okay, well, those are all, like, attacks on Carrie's character. Um, it's kind of related to genetic fallacy because you're kind of saying, well, the source has these other things that I'm characterizing as bad about it. Therefore, you don't have to listen to the source. A lot of these, by the way, are related. Some of them are subcategories of, you know, larger conceptual problems. Um, but ad hominem is generally when it's more personal, right? So it would be... Uh, I guess a better, more common example would be someone like Milo, right? Um, M Milo, you know, Milo's a blankety blank. People just attack him. Actually, maybe he's not a great example. What's a good example of a good ad hominem that we see all the time? Well, no, I mean, they, they use uh, the terms racist and sexist in that way now, too. Yeah, um, that's a great, people, that's a much better one. Yeah, You're they racist. They refer to them, it's, you can almost think of these as new slurs uh, because to be racist is, I mean, the, the great thing about where we progress as a society is that almost everyone <laughs> is, agrees to be racist is awful. It's just that that you now have all these woke leftists who think they believe that, but are are, are buying into an ideology that excuses racism. It's, it's a weird thing. But most people, Maria yes. Maria just reminded us of a great example that we've talked about because it would apply to her. She has a gleaming white face. Don't listen to her. That's a great ad hominem. <laughs> Right. Right. So, but yeah, calling someone a racist, uh, making reference to anything about their character, calling them names. I mean, that's a really simple one. And that's why I try not to do it again. Again, we're all going to, we're all going to commit some of these at one time or another. It's just better to know what they are so that you don't fall into this trap and you're not making lazy arguments. And like, I think it's Elva Kara says in the, uh, in the chat, which is true that just because someone uses a logical fallacy does doesn't mean that the, their conclusion is wrong. It just means they're not arguing it well. That's true. They could yes, have the right conclusion absolutely. and just be lazily arguing it and not arguing it well and just relying right. on these um, logical fallacies. But yeah, but name you call it. say two plus two is four because Robin D'Angelo is a jerk. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, hey, your conclusion is true, but like, that's not a valid reason. That's not a right. valid argument. Yes. Yeah. That's really funny. But yeah, just name calling again. I, I just want to stress this. And this has come up for me again recently. It's something I know you guys have seen me struggle with, I guess. I, I feel bad when I name call, but also sometimes I feel like it's deserved. And for me, I guess everyone can figure out their own line on this. Um, when I'm talking about someone in the third person, especially a public figure, I don't have a problem with it, but I try not to use it in one-on-one -on -one discussions with people because once you've used an ad hominem, nobody's going to listen to anything you have to say. So if I'm talking with you and the point of conversation is to get somewhere, then why would I call you a name? It just doesn't, it's not going to go anywhere good. Yep. And I don't want you to call me a name and then it just, it just goes nowhere. <laughs> so. Yeah.
What's your what's your next favorite uh, fallacy you hear from SJWs a lot? Um, gosh, rattle off some of them real quick. Let me think. Well, I'll give you I'll give you okay. mine. Argumentum ad baculum, which is also one of my favorites. Wait, what's it's basically that one? just intimidation through force, right? So oh, we've I talked I about like, that one. Yeah, so we've talked about like um, put the black live put the Black Lives Matter sign up in your store, or we'll like Antifa will trash your store. <laughs> like, agree with us, or we'll beat you up. Um, that's uh, the subtext actually to quite a lot of social justice activism, especially Antifa, um, which is why, and we've talked about this, you'll see stores in the Bay Area, basically every retail store with a, a storefront that faces the street, they all have uh, Black Lives Matter signs. And it's not actually a reflection of what they, it, they may be what they really believe, but they're certainly need to say that they believe it because if they don't, uh, Antifa will during the next riot, there will be the bricks and, uh, you know, sticks will all be used to be attacking that one store that doesn't virtue signal. Um, well, that's a good one that per perceived threat. Yeah. I haven't, I didn't even know that one, but they do yeah. use that. Well, one of one that they use a lot and that people in general use a lot is straw man. And, yes. and you will actually see, here's, what's interesting about them. They will sometimes, uh, now that people are starting to push back against SJWs and, and you know, are, are refusing to give in to fear and these and to kowtow to these tactics, they're starting to pick up some of the things that people are saying back to them. And then you'll see them repeat them, but they don't know what they mean. So I've actually seen SJWs now say, they will, they will co-opt and try to say, you're using a straw man. And I'm like, you don't know what straw man means, clearly. <laughs> you're just saying words. Again, you're just saying words. So it straw man is really easy to, to understand if you, if you visualize it. A straw man is when you make an argument, right? Like you say, uh, I like cats. And here's all the reasons why I like cats. And then somebody comes in and is like, they don't know how to argue against you liking cats. So they instead say, Carrie's here saying that dogs suck. And so they imagine them erecting a man made of straw and that she's saying that dog sucks and dog sucks and, and that's awful because blah, blah, blah. And then they light that straw man on fire and they basically attack and light on fire an argument you never made because, right. Right. because it's easier than attacking the argument you actually constructed. That's what a yeah. straw man is. It's like, I didn't say I hate dogs. I just said I like cats. <laughs> right. And a lot of times they'll exact, like that was an example of them like implying something from your argument. Right. They'll, a lot of times they'll, they just exaggerate it more like Carrie thinks cats should get driver's licenses. I'm like, no, she just said she liked them. They'll like go a step further than what you said. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't say they should get driver's licenses. I said I liked them. No. <laughs> like, right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I got so upset with a friend recently. Let me just share this anecdote because I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling bad about it because yesterday I kind of I got really angry because this is a friend. And, yeah. and, it, and, and it just really bothered me because it's not the first time, but it's, it's a friend who continually wants to put words in my mouth that I haven't said and beliefs in my head that I don't believe and arguments that I haven't argued. And even when I point that out, continues to try and do it. And so in this case, it was a friend who was saying, um, well, he really doesn't like that I just, that, that my that what I talk about in most of my writing or in the podcast is my old ideologies, SJW ideology. And so he always pops up to say, well, 
this isn't unique to SJ. There's other fundamentalist ideologies too. And this isn't unique to SJW ideology. I'm like, yeah, it's not. A lot of these behaviors are not unique. In fact, in fact, even in our podcast, I make the caveat all the time to Carter. I'll say, I'll be talking about hypocrisy or projection or something. And I'll say, you know, and I know this isn't unique to SJWs, but I'm talking about it in the SJW world because that's where I came from. That's where I spent 20 years. That's what I'm here to talk about. I didn't grow up as a Muslim. I'm not here to talk about Islam because I wasn't a Muslim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I'm, I don't exist to talk about all the other fundamentalist ideologies you want me to talk about. I'm here to talk about the one I was in, right? But it continues. Yeah, and one also, by the way, the other reason to talk right. about it is it's in control. Domin it's, in, it's the dominant culture right now. Yes. And so I, that's we don't have to argue against Zoroastrianism. Like they're, right. they're not in control. <laughs> that's what, and I was like saying to him, it's like, look, everything, it, 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 it was this insistence that I was saying that this is, uh, that this is unique to SJW ideology. I was like, I have never said that. I don't believe that. It's, but you, you spend paragraphs tearing that down as if I've argued that I haven't argued that that is a straw man. And it's frustrating because it, it attempts to force you to defend something that you don't even believe or it's like, we agree. So quit writing this two paragraphs of all these comments about how I think this thing, I don't think it is lying about me. It is lying about my position. It is lying about my beliefs. And that's why it makes me really angry. I mean, when it's, when it's a dumb straw man or it's a stranger or whatever doing it, I'm like, whatever. But when a friend does it, it was really like, stop it. Like that is not what I am saying. That's what's in yeah. your head. You know, with straw man, I think, uh, I, I, I think a lot of times people are doing straw man unintentionally because their elephant is reacting and they're hearing something different than what you said. Right. So I, I don't like, I don't think all of these fallacies are committed with intent, but they're still committed and they're still fallacies. Right. But like that one, that one in particular, I see people like reacting to something and they're, it's, they're just emotionally triggered about something and and it, it has this other meaning for them. And then they attack that other meaning. And it's like, that's just your elephant responding to something. You're not actually listening to what the argument was. They're not intentionally saying, oh, Carrie's making this argument about cats. I know what I'll do. I'll make it about, I'll say, tell everyone that she just likes dogs. That's literally what they hear for some reason emotionally. They're like, ah. It, but, it's in, but even when you stop and point it out and clarify, that is not what I am saying. This is what I am saying. If they insist on holding on to that thing that you at just that point, it's said, intentional. It's intentional. <laughs> at that point, it's like, I am telling you, I do not believe this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people in chat are talking about another one, one of my favorites, which is too quokey, which is kind of means like you too. Um, and I think it in modern parlance, people now, I don't, I don't know, people rebrand fallacies. I don't know why, but now it's called whataboutism. Um, but you know, kind of the classic thing is like, uh, you, you'll say, you'll be like, well, uh, so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say anything against someone that I've, I don't know their personal history, but let's say like, well, Adam Schiff cheated on his wife or something like, I don't know if he did. Right. But like, Adam Schiff cheated on his wife. Here's the examples. And they'll be like, yeah, but what about Trump? It's like, okay, well, that's like irrelevant to whether Adam Schiff cheated on his wife. The fact that Trump may have, normally it's like you too. So you'll be like, Carrie, you just murdered that person. It was bad. You turning around and saying, well, you did it. I'm like, yeah, well, that yeah. doesn't, maybe I'm also bad. Like, what, like I also did the bad thing. Like, it doesn't matter, right? This is uh, somebody in the chat says, I call this one, low res boy says, I call it no you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, yes. you. It's, no, you. It's exactly, it's, this is like the, the siblings, two and three-year-olds <laughs> fighting, you know? Yes. You did this. No, you did it. It's just like this. Yeah. Um, but that, that's a common, that's a pretty common one. Um, the other uh, one another was, common one. Oh, well, another common one is bandwagon. The bandwagon fallacy is when they, they basically. Ad populum. Say, yeah. 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 Is it also called that ad populum? Well, yeah. The formal name is ad populum. Argumentum ad populum, which is appeal to numbers, appeal to people, right? Appeal so to like, the numbers of people. So if they say, you know, if you, let, let's say you're at let, SJW ideology has taken over a community. I don't know, like say the knitting world. And you're right. <laughs> And they, they, this is an argument where they just point to numbers to say, well, this, our opinion must be true because everyone here agrees except for you, you know, or except for you small band of people, or it's, it's, it's just an appeal to majority, which is funny because they claim to be speaking on behalf of minorities and marginalized groups, but uh, they will sometimes use the majority rules fallacy, the bandwagon fallacy. Yep. Yep. Um, Someone just paid us two bucks to talk about Kafka trapping, which is, by, by the way, thank you. I didn't thank think you. at Kafka trapping. Uh, so not only thank you for the two bucks, Jason, but also uh, that happens all the time. It's a great one because they, they do it all the time. So Kafka trapping is um, basically, it's, a, it's like a, a, when someone denies something that's used as evidence that they are, are, are it. So like if you're, let's take an SJW situation. Where, where you say, like, I'm not a racist. Well, the fact that you're saying you're not a racist means that you must, you know, you're reacting to being a racist. Only a racist would be so upset and be, get so defensive about being about being called a racist. So that's proof that you're a racist, right? It's the denial of whatever you've been accused of is evidence that you're guilty of the thing that you've done. Um, and that happens a lot. You're right, guys, in chat. Like, that, that happens a lot. That is a very, very common one. That Wait one for is, agility. Yes, Maria Truskin. Great. Wait for agility is a Kafka trap. Absolutely. It's, it's related to circular reasoning as well. It's just that circular, if you deny it, then you're guilty of it. Like, yes. There is no beginning or end. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. The, the denying the thing is, in fact, the thing. Um, but yeah, ad, ad populum, my favorites for ad populum are like, most people support gun control. So, uh, my other favorite being not a climate bedwetter is 97% of scientists agree. That's not how science works. That's, that's irrelevant. That's ad populum. It's not, it's not an argument. Um, there may be valid arguments, but that's not one of them. Um, so, uh, one of the ones they use a lot is appeal to authority. So yeah, I I always view that as like the opposite, like, or the, the complimentary to ad populum, right? Yeah. It's um, like it, everyone it, it, agrees versus somebody with this degree agrees. Like uh, appeal to authority would be, look, there is a place for evaluating a lot of different things when somebody's making an argument, their lived experience. Yes, I, I, I do believe in looking at someone's lived experience. I just don't believe that makes everything they're saying right. And I don't believe it trumps anything else. Right. So That's actually the anecdotal fallacy is like, right. we could, which we can talk about. But yeah, yeah but you're talking about ad veracundium, right? Yeah, the, the appeal to authority. Yeah. Right. So lived experience is one thing. Of course, you should evaluate that. You should evaluate. And you're you're weighing a lot of things at once when somebody tells you their opinion on something and their argument. So 
another one is their expertise. Actually, I, of course you look at that, you know, you want somebody who's an expert. If you, if you're going to a brain surgeon, you want somebody who's an expert in brain surgery, you're going to look for an expert and, and, and somebody's expertise comes into play, but appeal to authority again, is when you're just looking at one of these things exclusively and saying, that's it. That's the bit be all end all appeal to the authority is like, well, he's uh, like a, like taking an SJW professional SJW, like Michael Eric Dyson, right. Who's a, who's a, professor and an academic it would be like saying well clearly he's right because he's an academic and he's written books about critical race theory well no right. that doesn't we've, make him we've right seen recently as an argument like yeah that someone recently was like this person spent years doing this so they're an expert so and you just dismissed it like yeah like yeah. that doesn't they're right so. <laughs> um, no. yeah the the um i there's a nuance i want to say with that very or uh, appeal to authority is um because you brought up like a doctor example. Um, I might take the advice of my doctor, right? Who just says, this is, you know, you, you need heart surgery for these reasons, right? Um, and I might not actually understand the, the, the details of the reasons because presumably the doctor is an expert. Um, and I might be persuaded by the doctor to go do the heart surgery or whatever it is that he's suggesting. But I'm not in an argument with the doctor. I wouldn't argue that like, well, the doctor proved to me that I need heart surgery. What I would have said, you have to be aware when you're doing it. And you, it is a valid way to live to sometimes say, I'm going to trust the authority because I don't have the time, energy, expertise, and ability to make this assessment myself. But if someone were to say, if another doctor were to say to me, I don't think you have the need for heart surgery. It would be argumentum ad vericundium for me to say, well, you're wrong because this doctor says that I do need it. And therefore I've proven like that proves that I do need it. All right. So it's not, there's a difference between taking something as proof and agreeing to do something when you don't have proof, you wouldn't have proof that you actually need heart surgery. You just, you need to take an action, you need to act with insufficient data. And you're going to trust the expert on the insufficient data right, right now, because you know, that's what you've chose to do, but it's why you get second opinions on things that are important like that. Um, and you're, you're trying to look for counter arguments because you're not capable of coming up with counter arguments because you're not the expert. Yeah. Um, so another a, a way like to give a anecdotal example of how they use this, how SJW specifically use it, um, is someone in the chat just mentioned this. They will say, uh, German says, they will say the literature says, and what they mean by that is true. They mean the literature, the opinion pieces that their people who share their ideology have published. This is this goes back to this idea that Peter Bogosian was writing about that Carter mentioned the other day about idea laundering, where um, someone will make a, a, will write a piece like Peggy McIntosh, who the, the extremely wealthy elite white woman who who coined the phrase white privilege. She'll write an opinion piece just full of opinions and no science behind it and say, this is white privilege. And then that paper will get cited by other people who believe in this and then other people in it. And it's a cult of belief, but they're able to point to it and say, that's authority, that's authority. That's the literature. They use, they use uh, the fact that it's academic, that it's you know literature, that the words, that the words are pseudoscientific. That's also a pill to authority. They try and make you, they will, they will try and make normies, like normie people feel dumb 
because it's almost like, well, haven't you heard of gravity? Like, haven't you heard of white privilege, right? right. <laughs> like, it's like, it's not academic, dudes, just because you've come up with some fancy, you got a fancy lexicon with that makes you sound like a, an intellectual to people who don't know any better. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the way that they use it most often, which is funny because if you use, again, they're hypocrites. So they will only like appeal to authority is fine for them when it's an authority they agree with. But the minute you cite a study or a professor or anything that disagrees, that contradicts what they're saying, then it's, they'll have their reasons for dismissing that. So that's another reason it's a, it's a logical fallacy because it only matters if it, it, they only use it if it aligns with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think you touched on um, like, like an appeal to ridicule, which is sort of like an ad hominem, but it's like, it's kind of like read a book, right? <laughs> That's, it's yeah. like, it's implying that you're, you know, a illiterate um, mm -hmm. ignoramus just because you disagree with them, right? You must not understand white fragility. You just go read a book, Carrie. Um, and the, you know, the anecdotal one that we, we touched on, I think, I think it's common because the life experience, the lived experience one, like it's, it's the, I like to think of the anecdotal one as a failure to understand statistics. Right. So it's like, you know, you'll say something like, uh, adults tend to be taller than children. And someone will be like, well, my next door neighbor has a kid who's six feet tall. It's like, so <laughs> that's. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your anecdote is not statistical representation of reality. Um, and people do this. Honestly, this is one of the most common ones I see from everywhere, both sides, all the time. I always see this one, right? Well, and um, it's human nature. You can't help but relate it, you know? But that's why it's good to always know when you're doing it. And we will say on the show, well, anecdotally, let me tell you this thing I've experienced, you know? But it doesn't mean, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but it doesn't mean that no. it's representative of, it's not scientific, it's anecdotal. <laughs> it's not statistical, it's not like. Right, and, and what they'll tell you if you point out, hey, that's an anecdotal fallacy, um, which you probably wouldn't use those words in conversation, but if you point something like that out, their response will be, uh, don't deny my lived experience, right? And the, the distinction is you're not denying that that experience happened. I'm not denying that your neighbor has a six foot tall kid. I'm denying that it's that demonstrates that children are taller than adults or as tall. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm denying the conclusion, not the experience. Um, you know, so you'll like, someone will say, well, you know, uh, I, I had this crime happen to me by a person of this particular race. Therefore, all people of that race commit that crime. It's like, well, maybe like, or, or, or that crime is, you know, more common in among those people. Like maybe, maybe not. Right. So, uh, that's an anecdote. You have to look with statistics, right. Yeah. Actually the gun control one's another good one, right. It's like, Oh, um, here's a, here's an example of how a gun has been used in a crime. Right. Here's an example. Of how a gun. I, I, here's this example. Therefore, Gun crime is a major problem. It's like, well, or, you know, here are some examples of, of gun crimes. Therefore, it's a big crisis. Well, it, as Carrie continually points out, it's been diminishing. So it's not at a crisis. Um, 
You know, Carrie, there's one. It's probably related to something else, but um. Oh, uh, hey, real quick before you move on to another. Oh yeah, one, yeah. There was a great comment. Uh, Sharon Dobbs in chat says a Kafka trap. She's going back to Kafka trap. A Kafka trap is like in the 1800s when men used to be able to get their wives committed to an insane asylum, and the more the wife tried to convince authorities she wasn't crazy, the crazier she looked. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, I saw that comment. It's awesome. I mean, also, horrible. But. That also was the plot of a Lifetime movie that I watched. The past oh, my God. <laughs> We're back to Lifetime. You're really <laughs> to Lifetime now. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, so one of the ones, you touched on this a little bit, but um, there's this idea of, like, proof by verbosity, right, which is, like, um, if I make a really, really long argument that, that two plus two is five, it doesn't matter how long and intricate my argument is. You can look at the conclusion and be like, yes, but that's demonstrably false. <laughs> right. And so SJW will do this like convoluted blah, 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 blah. Therefore sex is a social construct. No, no, sex is not a social construct. <laughs> right. Here's, here's the data that it's very Bimodal distribution, sex is not a social construct. It is a biological construct, um, biological observation. Um, but they'll think that they can take this known fact, and then if they layer a bunch of stuff on top of it and make the argument sound erudite and complex, suddenly that's a proof that, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess that's the is one of the best examples I can think of is, is the sex and gender stuff. Um, uh, one of the one for of very the large ones. values of two. <laughs> Thank you, Elva Carol five five five. Two plus two is five for very large values of two. <laughs> Add blah blah blah. Yeah, it is kind of that's a good one. Lores boy is good at coming up with uh, like, like pithy little descriptions for these. That's argumentum. Add blah blah blah. That's funny. Um, um okay, here's but, one. Okay the uh no true scotsman and so no true yeah, scotsman yeah so that's basically i mean it's like it sounds it's like no true scotsman would eat you know uh haggis on a wednesday or i don't know and so it's no true and and so for me <laughs> the way, on a <laughs> <laughs> just made it up <laughs> um but for me this is the way they they use it so uh they like to question my background as an SJW, it really bothers them when you're an apostate or a heretic or when you've left the tribe. And so, especially if they're like a newbie SJW and they're trying to educate me um, with on these <laughs> new definitions and the, the new, uh, like, oh, the new definition of racism. It's like, yes, child, I was preaching that 20 years ago. I know it, I just reject it, right? Um, they don't like that. And so some of them occasionally will, will try and say like, I, that I wasn't an SJW or I wasn't a leftist or because they will say no true SJW would be talking about like no true person who was a liberal would be blah, blah, blah. Like right. they, they refuse to believe it. No true person would. And so that's, that's that fallacy there. And, and fortunately in my case, I have um, a background where a lot of that was public. Like I had a career that I can point to and um, uh, right things that I wrote back then and things I can point to to be like, well, yeah, here it is. It's so funny that you want to deny it. You're arguing your side. Yeah. Here's me arguing your side better than you are. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of people don't have that to point to. And so they'll, they'll use that kind of like, 
no true liberal. Well, they, they'll even use it now when they don't like that I, that I'm a liberal. They, they would rather I just have gone over to become a conservative completely and to become a registered Republican or something. So when I explain, no, I'm a liberal, I'm just not an SJW, I'll be like, well, no true liberal would follow Mike Cernovich. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no true liberal would retweet Paul Joseph Watson. No <laughs> like, liberal would eat haggis on a Wednesday, Carrie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, which kind of reminds me, actually, of um, Epistemus wanted us to talk about non sequitur. So I guess that's a good, it's a good time to talk about non sequitur, where it's like they'll they'll bring up something that's like unrelated to what you're doing, uh, or or what might be relevant. So um, let me. I can't think of a good example. Let's think of a good example for a non sequitur that we hear. Um, I don't know. Uh, th this, there's a, uh, well, I could, this could see, this could be a bunch of different fallacies, but you can say things like, um, this person, th this company has an underrepresented number of blacks working at it. Right. Um, and uh, nah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of a good example. I can't think of a good example of non sequitur. It's so hard. It's like I you don't hear a lot of. I, I can't give me an example of pistivus. I mean, non sec non sequitur is like <sighs> totally unrelated. So, um, well, I hear you. Systemic racism, exi racism exists because of like systemic racism exists because Trump got elected. It's like okay, well, those aren't necessarily related. It's a non sequitur. Right. Or it's, you know, I don't know. Uh, Sean Hannity. I, this is Sean Hannity's fat. I guess that's more of an ad hominem. But like, it's just something that's totally unrelated. There's got to be some examples. I just can't think of any. Sorry, guys. My brain's failing me right now. But Epistavis, give me an example well, that you're like, thinking well, of. Carter, it's, it's that you are a racist because Daniel thinks my laugh is beautiful. And he just paid us $2. Yeah, I just don't hear that one. Like you can pick <laughs> up a non sequitur. I Thank know. you, Daniel, for thinking her Thank laugh you, is <laughs> Oh, he provided one. Sorry, Episodes. I only read the beginning of your thing because it was scrolling. Evergreen students wanted Weinstein fired because they felt unsafe due to police brutality or Trump being president. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. That's a beautiful non sequitur. Uh, um, I guess my tired brain is not uh, not working well. Yeah, but like Weinstein had nothing to do with police brutality or Trump being president, but he needs to get fired because they feel unsafe because there's police brutality or Trump being president. That's a great, uh, that's great non sequitur. White, white privilege is a thing because of police brutality, Dean sent. Thank you guys. Sorry for that brain fart. Um, you know, Carrie, there's, uh, there's one that probably is related to other ones, but I just, I just, I made this one up because it's like, a, it, it's a subcategory of other fallacies. But I call it the lazy bureaucrat. And I I like this is because you hear this from social justice warriors a lot. It's the like, it's not my job to educate you, or like, I won't perform emotional labor for you, or you need to go read Robin D'Angelo. It's bowing out of the argument because they're lazy, right? It's just like um, like you were kind of saying social justice warriors will say, like, oh, well, you just need to go, you just need to go read this volume of material. That that proves I'm right. That's not an argument. That's just being lazy. That's just exiting the conversation. Um, so it's okay to say, actually, I can't argue this. I don't really know. Um, I learn. I 
came to this conclusion after reading X, Y, and Z, but you're right. I can't actually argue it, but just saying, you know, go do all this work. It would be like, imagine a debate where like one side was like, well, I'm right because you should go read a bunch of stuff. I'm like, all right, well, that's not, that's not, argument. it's kind of this lazy, like, I, I just don't want to do the work, which means you're not involved in the argument anymore. Um, it's probably a subset of some other kind. Uh, one of the ones they use a lot is, is this goes back to the circular reasoning, circular logic. Um, it, it's the begging, begging the question. Um, it's where they like to build. And, and again, it goes into the white fragility thing that Maria brought up, but they like to build uh, a premise into the question itself. They, they like to pretend that um, we all agree and that you agree with something they've buried in the question itself. So that answering the question means that you are already in agreement with their conclusion. And, and right, that, that's called begging the question that begging, happens. A lot. Right, begging the question. So the example that is given for begging the question a lot is um, somebody asking, you know, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, that, that in the question, the presumption there is buried is that you beat your wife ever. <laughs> and so that's a good, uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind is that they do that a lot and they'll, they'll do it. This is, this goes back to something Jason said in the chat about they're really good at getting people to use their new lexicon to use their made up phrases and, and terms and stuff. And I think that's a form of begging the question. Um, but they'll do, they'll, they'll, they'll basically, um, like in a, in a question about, Oh, here's a good one. That woman that I talk about a lot who annoys me, who invited me to her group about yes. using civility to explain to Trump voters why they're awful <laughs> or to get bring them over or whatever. She will post, this is an excellent example. And I, I wish I had pulled this up. She posted this multiple choice question and it said, you know, Trump's racism is A, like dog whistles, B, overt. <laughs> And you know whatever or C, but basically the question there's was no choice that's non-existent. Right, there's no option there for <laughs> him not to be racist. It built into the question is the presumption that he is a racist, and the question is about what kind of racism. <laughs> and so yes, that, yeah. So the the loaded questions like that. I'm glad you brought that up because the example that I was going to bring up was that woman that you've talked about, but it was asking questions like, "Do you think Trump should be impeached for colluding with Russia or Ukraine?" <laughs> Like, well, you, I, you're so assuming he colluded, like you've, you've begged the question already. Like it's, you've already used, you've already, uh, you've already, there's already a, a conclusion here. Um, That's like when she asked me about um, supporting or not supporting impeachment. And again, I guess that's not as obvious why that's a loaded question, but I don't care. That was really, I mean, like, your presumption is that everybody is one or the other. And I am not. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, another one you touched on, I think kind of a little bit was equivocation, which is, and this happens often also, it's easy to do my mistake if you don't um, clearly hold definitions. I'm a big fan of, of definitions. Um, Socrates was a, it was obsessed with definitions. Um, and there's a reason for that. If you don't, if you don't um, really understand the definition of the words you're using, you can do equivocation quite easily. Um, and I think a lot of times when social justice warriors are arguing with normal people, um, they're actually using different definitions for things, right? Racism was the example you just brought up, Carrie, where it was like, they're using racism to mean 
privilege plus power, but someone else is using racism uh, in the more traditional sense. And so they'll get agreement like, oh, well, if you don't want to be racist, then you must therefore blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, you've like, you're using two different definitions of the word racism to get what you want. You're equivocating on the word racism. Um, and they'll, and they'll do that. And they'll do that quite a lot. Um, and I don't even think it's always intentional, but I think a lot of times actually it is intentional when they're trying to insert words that they're redefining into the vocabulary uh, and into the mainstream, they'll allow for there to be an equivocation intentionally. They'll intentionally not clarify at the beginning of a conversation that like, oh, I'm approaching this conversation with this list of words, which means something different than what you probably think they mean. So we should agree on definitions first. They'll instead approach the conversation, letting you go down the path using the words like you normally do, get you to say a certain thing, and then insert their definition and try and force you to into a conclusion that stems only from their definition, not from yours. Okay, um, well, this relates to making assumptions about um, about about things being truth when they're not and like burying it into the que like loaded question is the burden of proof. So... Uh, a very yes, easy, that's another good one. A burden yeah. of proof. A very easy uh, example of burden of proof would be obviously in our for for a very good reason in our um, country we believe in the presumption of innocence until proven guilty instead of the other way around. Right. However, during the Kavanaugh um, hearing or or confirmation process, this is when a lot of liberals like myself started to get really turned off by our quote unquote side because. I was furious and I, and I got into a lot of arguments then with people who had not yet unfriended me um, because I, I couldn't believe that liberals, that we were suddenly okay with presuming guilt and having, forcing someone to prove innocence. Okay, the burden of proof is on the person making the claim, not, on the, not, not the other way around. And it goes, so that's a very stark example, but it goes, it's the same way in conversation. If you're having a conversation- Believe all women, by the way, is, an inversion of the it's, it's an it's inversion a, the onus yeah. of proof right yeah but if you're in an argument with someone and they're making a claim the burden of proof is on them so if someone is talking about toxic masculinity it is up to them to prove that that is a thing it's not up to you to disprove it they have to prove that that is and they don't they don't they just talk about it as if it's fact and then they a lot of times they put the burden of proof on you to prove a negative so right so they'll say like Disparate outcomes are because of systemic racism. Prove me wrong. Right? That's, That's not, not what they say, Carter. <laughs> but I know what you mean. No, they don't say it that way. No, they don't know those words. No. Okay. <laughs> they say, no, they don't know those words. They'll say, uh, um, uh, well, they'll say uh, transgender people have a high suicide rate because of oppression from a transphobic society. But they don't prove that. That's what you mean. But they don't know the word disparate outcomes. They don't, they don't All right. That. Um, you know, you know another, that. Another one we've talked about that do, um, this is related to uh, one of the things we just read in Coddling of the American Mind is um, the false dilemma, right? You're either a social justice warrior or you're a Nazi, right? Like these are the two, there's only two sides. Right, there's the side that I'm saying, or there's Nazi, right? That's that. That's a very common social justice one, right? And there are there are more than two viewpoints on any issue, but because they're very black and white thinking, um, that kind they'll they'll approach a conversation with, you know, that's why you're conservative to them, Carrie, or whatever. They'll be like, 
well, you can't be you can't be a liberal because liberals are social justice warriors. And if you're not a social justice warrior, you're a conservative. And that's the end. Of the, there's only two sides. That's the end. Um, and that's called the false dilemma um, fallacy. That's good to look for or easy to see. Another one we talk about is um, just quoting people out, like quoting out of context, right? Trump's very fine people thing gets repeated a lot. Um, well, he said there are very fine people on both sides. Yes, he said that phrase, but you just dropped context. The context was immediately after that, he said, I'm not talking about the, the <laughs> white supremacists, right? But they use that phrase um, they use that phrase out of context to try and convince you that he said that white supremacists were very fine people. Um, so that's a very common one. Aaron Ferris. Thank you for Aaron Ferris did a super chat. We're super chatting today. And in, he says an era, an in-law likes to argue they don't represent feminism, which is a no true feminist fallacy. <laughs> You're oh, no true. Sir, You're no true feminist. If good feminists exist, they never stand up to the bad ones. So what good are they? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, you are exactly right. So when I was in SJWism and I was a third, I consider myself third wave feminist, there was this schism that started to happen. And anybody who's watching who's in that world will know what I'm talking about. It was very much like what happened in the knitting world. So SJW ideology came in, took over, and there was this just stark uh, war, all out war that started to happen and people started eating their own and people couldn't be woke enough. They couldn't be intersexual enough. Um, and, they, and they basically, if you continued to uh, support or to like the writing of people like Christina Hoff Summers or Camille Paglia, um, any feminists like that were considered wrong feminists, bad feminists, they were pushed out. Same thing happened to, um, gosh, what's her name? She did the Red Pill documentary, Cassie J. Yes. Feminist bona fides, right? She had done feminist documentaries. She had done, she was a darling am among feminist media. And then as soon as she did this documentary following her evolution of thought and her kind of waking up to some of the fallacies in the movement, um, she was cast out. And they, the, yeah, I, I love that. That was a big part of my, um, I stuck with it though. I stuck with SJWs and through all those wars. That's, that's, I, and I was a coward. They went after people like Megan Murphy Megan Murphy is a bad feminist. She runs a, a, one of the biggest feminist sites in Canada, Feminist Currency, or what is it? Feminist Current. Feminist Current. Feminist Current, yeah. And they, it was, you know, if you continued to be friends with her on social media, or if you defended her at all, um, you were cast out of the, of the tribe. And so a lot of us were cowards. I was a coward who stood by while they pilloried her. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's the no true Scott. You're absolutely right. No true Scotsman. No true feminist would. No true feminist. Yeah. Well, then they came up with another word to show that you're not a true feminist. You're a turf. You're a turf. Right? Yeah. You're not a true feminist. You can't be called a feminist uh, anymore. Um, you know, one that I hear a lot. Uh, I and it's kind of an obvious one. I just I'm surprised we haven't talked about it, but I don't think we have. It's just appeal to emotion, right? Don't you care about X? How, don't you feel blah, blah, blah. Don't you feel bad for X, Y, Z. Um, the left is particularly good at appealing to um, a lot of emotions of well, the right does it as well. Um, but appeal to emotion is a logical fallacy. So, um, you know, don't you care about the kids in the cages? Uh, if you cared about the kids in cages, you would, you know, agree with my position, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's an appeal to emotion. Emotion is um, not, 
emotion is not a, an epistemological method that gives you information about reality. The only information it gives you is what you feel. It doesn't give you information about the external world. It just gives you information about yourself. So it can be a starting point to investigate stuff, but it's not an argument. And that is used. I mean, everyone uses that all the time. Commercials use it, right? Um, so yeah, there's a, so Jason's pointing out that there are appeal to emotion. There's like different subcategories. And the one that I mentioned, the appeal to pity is ad misericordium, I think is what he wrote, which I didn't know the name, but that looks Latin-y and related to the word miserable. So I'll buy it, Jason. That sounds good. Jason's an authority. I'll just appeal to Jason on the authority. So it's proven correct. I like that Elva Kara says, anytime I hear, think of the children, I know we're about to get screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that's something... Uh, that's something that as far back, I remember that attitude as far back as the 80s and maybe longer, but as far back as the 80s, I remember people on the right saying, it's all about the children, like mockingly, because they like that trope it has been used for decades and decades. Think about the children. It's always, it's always that, right? I um, saw a good meme back during the, um, one of the big gun grab uh, cultural flashpoints. It probably was after Parkland. Um, mm -hmm. and cause when people like, what's that kid's name when I don't like, um, he's not a kid anymore. Anyway, the, the gun kid, the, the kid who wants to take your guns away. Who's got the angry face. David Somebody Hogg? like David Hogg. <laughs> so back no during that, huh? The kid, none of us like, yes. Yes. Well, uh, some back during that flashpoint, I remember there was this great meme and it was of. It was a it was a picture from the Revolutionary War with you know men with their guns and, and it had the British and it said the British were like it was a little meme it said give us your guns for the children. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh okay. Oh okay, yeah. hand them over. Which, yeah, there wouldn't have been a revolution if David Hogg had been on the Brits side. But you know it's weird. We've talked about this before, and I got kind of pissed about it in one of our previous podcasts. But when it comes down to it, they don't actually i i i hate i hate to say that they don't that none of the people who who buy into this care about the kids cuz they do that's why it works they do care about children that's why this works but um they don't really go after i mean this this jeffrey epstein thing is a, is a great example where are the protests where are the people in the streets where are all the pink pussy hats and the resist marches and the stuff where it's like you know the elite and it's not a partisan thing the elite the media the politicians the people with power in this world colluded to let this guy continue abusing kids and they were many of them abusing kids and they all have a lot of them have skeletons like this and they colluded they knew he was doing it abc news killed the story higher-ups killed the story and um and then he was allowed to suicide himself and or be he was murdered <laughs> he was murdered and it's totally fine nothing's gonna happen prince andrew can go on 60 minutes and try to do uh rehabilitate his image and make some phony declaration that he's going to work with the fbi and nobody nothing happens where are the people in the street who care about the kids where are the think about the children people that's what bothers me um, um that is a great example of a non sequitur but i really like it <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you brought it up um but it's true <laughs> it is true and and the epstein thing is something i wanted to talk to you about carrie uh, at some point off air, but I'd like to figure out how to like cover it and, and keep it in the zeitgeist longer because what's happening with the Epstein thing is um, 
we're just forgetting. Um, there's no, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be something that 10 years from now, people are like, yeah, remember, remember that Epstein guy? Right. He's just like going to be funny, another name in the, yeah. the list of Clinton body counts. And that's going to be, you know, we're just going to forget. And um, that's something By the that way, Clinton body. I don't even think it's a Clinton thing. That, that makes it too. I'm just saying, I, I know you just said that offhand, but that means it's not even that it's like when, when a leftist hears Clinton body count, they brain shuts off. So I don't even like to assume there's tons no, of, no, I'm saying what will happen if we forget is he'll just be another name that's added to the oh, right. list that people right. share around and no one else like who's like Vince Foster, like no one knows who he is unless you're like looking at Clinton body count stuff. It doesn't mean it's actually a Clinton thing, but that's where those names, the only place those names survive is in people who are trying to keep track of this kind of stuff and people don't pay attention to that. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know how that's a separate, that's a separate show, but I would like to get into, uh, um, I would like to get into that at some point. Um, thank you for the non sequitur Elva Carroll. My new drive chef should be here on Monday or Tuesday because Epstein didn't kill himself. That's an awesome that's my favorite non sequitur ever, though, because it ends ends well. Um, uh, you know, yeah, one for, thing, uh, for, for anyone just joining, uh, somebody in the chat said thank you for the uh, Logical Fallacies website. Here it is again for anyone just joining. It's a, I mean, I like it. Carter can also share his favorite book on logic. For anyone who's just looking for a quick little site that's kind of humorous that helps you keep track of these, yourlogicalfallacyis.com is pretty cool. And that's the one I when I first started trying to make sure, oh, that I understood these so that I wasn't relying on them myself. And then, so yeah, I, I, them. I actually just, since we're talking about it, um, logical fallacies.org is better. Um, but it's oh. not as flashy. Uh, I like got, pizzazz. It's yeah. I, I just, I, I like it better as it's more academic, but, um, but the one you just said is fine. Um, anyway, one that I think Scott Adams has talked about, or this is related to one that Scott Adams has talked about, um, but there's the the shot, shotgun argumentation type of thing where you just list like a lot of little things and you overwhelm your opponent with like, there's no way they can answer all like, there's this reason and 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 this reason, and this reason. argue. And it's like, there's just too much there to go through and sort through. Um, and you act like, because you have a lot, like, so Scott Adams has talked about people will, um, people will talk about one particular piece of uh, evidence or one reason for something you'll debunk it. And then they'll, well, what about this one? And they'll move to the other one and debunk it. And they'll be like, what about this one? And move to the other one and debunk it. But then they'll work their way right back around to the beginning when you debunk all of them. Be like, and then they'll kind of say, and this is where the shotgun reasoning uh, comes into your shotgun argumentation. They'll be like, but the totality, but there's so many of these, right? but there's so many examples here, it must be true. And it's like, no, but all those examples are wrong. So there's not so many examples. All of them are incorrect. Um, this but is people a, just, it's like overwhelming you with numbers. This is a great one. And you'll see people do this occasionally. I'm sure all of you have seen people do this on Facebook. It'll Ish some, popping. Sorry, I didn't somebody, know that. Somebody will take, um, basically they're cutting and pasting and they'll post it in lots of different places, but it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, um, the, uh, most often I see it when it's against a specific politician they hate. So let's just take Trump as an example, but I've also seen it, people on the right do it about Obama, but it'll just be a whole list of things like that where they're like, explain this, explain this, and explain this, and explain this. And it, it would take you 
uh, like this is this is very many conversations like can we pick one of these and focus on it but no it's this whole like you're saying totality it, it's the totality of it look at all of it and it's like yeah that's a bunch of some of it's crap some of it is you've got things wrong um some of it but i'm like where do we even start like we're talking about one specific subject and then you make it about this you know so uh yeah epistopus is saying the thing i was describing is called gish galloping which i've never heard Gish gallop is a tech. And this is Wikipedia. Gish gallop is a technique used during debate that focuses on overwhelming an opponent with as many arguments as possible, without regard for accuracy or strength of the arguments. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good term. Um, gish galloping. Andrew okay. Beckman just just gave us a nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents. Thank wow, you, Andrew. Andrew. I Thank like that you. it was like right on the line of 20. <laughs> Thank you, oh, sir. <laughs> I have to mock Maria Tuscan now, though, because she says, why don't they teach logical fallacies in school? I've never heard about these until I was older. Well, the reason, Maria, is they don't want you thinking. School's not for teaching you to think. School is for school. Our modern school is invented to make good factory workers who don't question authority. So that's why homeschool maria i'm sure you'd be an awesome homeschool teacher i know you know why i'm just mocking you maria it's okay no but they didn't they don't. maria knew she was just saying it i'm mocking her now well, now people who don't know that we know maria will think that she's actually not thinking that it's fine okay but anyway the, they don't they don't teach this in school or and and they probably actually they probably do i have some friends who took debate and they knew a lot more of this stuff than i did it just, oh they don't teach that in debate anymore though really Probably not, but they did. They used to. Um, yeah, debate used to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, one uh, one thing about I guess it would work for gish galloping or shotgun fallacy or whatever. Um, one technique I like to use when someone is disagreeing with me is about something is I'll say, and they, and they have a lot of arguments. If you're actually in a conversation, what I like to do is I like to say, okay, give me your very best argument, your one very best, what's the most convincing thing you've got for that you're making your argument? And if I can debunk that, I'm done, right? Because you got to choose what's your strongest weapon. And if that's your strongest weapon and it doesn't work, then I can be done with the argument um, because I don't have to waste my time on it anymore. So it's good to do that generally. Um, what are some other ones? One I see a lot, not just from social justice warriors, is um, I guess this is kind of related to uh, some others we've talked about, but there's the false alternatives, um, or not the false alternative, like a false compromise, where you say, well, uh, on the one extreme is Hitler, and on the other extreme is Stalin. So the truth must be somewhere in between Hitler and Stalin. and that is a that's a fallacy of compromise because um you know you don't this, there might be a different scale than just between hitler and stalin the middle might not be correct um so but there's a lot of like compromising on on two extremes is automatically correct because it's a compromise in two extremes um that's a pretty common one uh okay carrie oh hey westy 40 just gave us 20 bucks westy Westy upped Andrew Beckman. <laughs> he added a penny and Andrew Beckman goes down. 
<laughs> hard. Now he's number two on the list. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, but um, I know you have to go soon, Carrie. Um, well, also, I think we've talked about the most common ones. And then if we start getting into like the ones that it's kind of the ones that people don't use as much, eh. You know what I mean? Like these are the ones yeah, that you're- Yeah, there's, there's one more that I see a lot though that I kind of want to mention. Maybe you don't see it a lot, but I think I see it a lot. It's the it's a false correlation, right? And so our false, false cause or a correlation error, well, they'll be like, this trans person interviewed but didn't get the job. Therefore, it must be that they were trans. Like these two events are correlated somehow. Therefore, they're caused. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God, epistemist. <laughs> How did we end up with a bidding war? Carrie, I think it has something to do with you laughing. I'm not totally sure, but can you smile and laugh and, and say something brilliant? Rant? People like when you rant. I'm not your monkey, Carter. Um, $20 and a penny. Thank you. A, a, how do you say his name? Epistivist. Epistivist. <laughs> can I just call you Ape? I just want to call you Ape. Um, you can't call me Ape. <laughs> epist bad. Epistivist. Epistivist. I know, but I'm my brain reads it the wrong way. I like apes. I studied apes in school. Okay. Um, we're apes. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys very much. We don't, I, I really appreciate it. And I guess, you know, we should, since we're live, let's, let's again, thank the people who, cause we don't do it enough. I've been watching other podcasts. I'm like, they thank people a lot. So we need to thank the people who are contributing on Subscribestar and at any donation level, it's totally appreciated. And as Gracie usually says when she's in the chat, and I notice she's not here today, so I'm going to say it. If you hit like on the video while you're watching, that really helps us. Um, I mean, I know YouTube has these weird algorithms where they're pushing everything down that's like wrong think now, but I think hopefully it still helps when you hit like or you share something. Um, it, this is a non sequitur, Carter, but since we're talking about YouTube, I just want to ask this question because I want to do a video about this in the future. And if anybody in the chat has seen this, let us know. I know I started noticing a couple of weeks ago on YouTube that I can't find old videos that I that I've watched many times before that I want to show a friend. So a friend will be over and I'm like, hey, let me show you this uh, funny compilation of, you know, uh, of, like, for example, we were looking for that video with the I think it's the Sugar Plum Fairy music about um, all the pundits saying how Trump would never win. And somebody did this. Funny oh, yeah. Thing. Have. yeah and we couldn't we couldn't find it and so on youtube now they've they've actually you'll look for something and that you found several times before i was looking for something with lindsey graham thug life lindsey graham and it's buried way down and all the all the search results on youtube are now like legacy media stuff it's like oh were you searching for this video from cnn were you searching for this video from msnbc were you searching no i wasn't i was looking for thug life <laughs> like yeah, why are you burying the thing have you yeah, guys noticed is, that? Yeah. Um, Episcopus says, or no, Low Res Boy says he's noticed that uh, the search and recommendations have changed as well. By the way, thank you, Robin. Robin also. Robin, woohoo! Thank woo you. Um, I know. So, yeah, actually, I'm going to answer another question. Jason says, does Unsafe Space have a P.O. box? Uh, almost. Um, two people have asked to send checks, and I didn't want to give them my home address. Not that I don't trust you particularly, but I don't know people necessarily. Um, so, uh, I went to set up a PO box and forgot my driver's license the day that I went there. So I couldn't set it up. <laughs> and then I went on vacation. So yes, we will have a PO box soon. Uh, Cause I know not everyone wants to use uh, online stuff, but um, yeah, I've noticed that on YouTube as well, Carrie and YouTube's making a lot of changes. I did hear, I haven't looked at their new changes that are coming up, but I did hear they're 
this this one seems like the most egregious to me. It sounds like they're going to start saying they can ban channels or they can drop channels that that aren't profitable. And this yes. is first of all that destroys YouTube completely um, because yes. it's all about putting stuff up. But second, here's how you do that very easily. You don't let a channel get so our channel, for example, is very hard to be profitable for YouTube because they demonetize our videos. So for a while, they've said like, well, we don't ban people. We just demonetize them. And we've been like, okay, well, I guess we lose money, but at least we're not banned, right? And now they're like, well, if you don't make enough money for us, we're gonna drop you. Well, you've caused it. That's the same as dropping us, right? So that's um, that's pretty. That's a pretty egregious one. They're also, this is something that doesn't affect us, but it does affect other channels yeah, a lot. Just, just to be clear, so people understand that, in the new TOS, Mikey pointed this out to me, Mike Harlow, they're saying if you're not a profitable channel, if you're not making money, they can get rid of you. And, right. And But they're making you not profitable. They are demonetizing you, like us. Maybe that's one, yeah. That's, yeah, I'm just, I'm just re, I guess I'm just reiterating it. They, oh. they are forcing, it's like, we are going to make it so that you can't make money. We're going to demonetize your channel. We're not going to outright ban you for the first thing we're going to do is demonetize you. Then we're going to say, because you're not making money, we ban you. It's so, it's just, it's so devious. It's just, right. Yeah. It's like, if you can't cross the street, then you don't, you know, then we're going to shoot you. And, oh, now we've changed you to the other side of the street. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but those are two unrelated policies. Yeah, uh, unrelated. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. And of course they will not uh they won't they won't universally apply that. So they'll just leave channels up that are unprofitable that they like and they will ban channels that are unprofitable that they don't like. So and it's really going to be hard for people to start channels like once you get big enough um even if you're being uh, mostly demonetized or like you, you might be profitable. Although even then, the bigger you are, the larger server costs they've got for you. So I, I think, you know, if they choose to, if they choose to ding your profitability through, like, or if they choose to go after your monetization, even slightly, you'll probably drop below profitability. My understanding, this is the other thing, Carrie, <laughs> by the way, I don't know that anyone's pointed this out. Um, I don't believe YouTube is profitable as a company. So therefore, no channel is profitable. The entire company isn't profitable. So I don't know how they calculate profit for the channel, but if the business isn't profitable, how do you decide which channels are unprofitable? Um, like, I, I guess some channels could be profitable and a bunch of channels aren't, so the business could still be unprofitable. So that's a, that was a logical fallacy. Probably uh, there's the division fallacy. That's probably what that was. But... Still, there's a lot, there's a hell of a lot of channels that aren't profitable for them. So, um, moving the goalpost was a good one. Yeah. Um, moving the goalpost is. Oh, is moving the goalpost. That is one they do a lot. Yes. Yes. So, uh -huh. uh, gosh, what's a good recent anecdotal example I had of that? Um, oh, I think it was in, the, it was in the gun, it was in a gun control debate. Yeah. It was. And that that's a very easy one to spot where, or maybe it's not, maybe sometimes they, if they're really good at doing it, you don't notice that they've done it. But in this debate, I think we were debating about, um, uh, this person was basically arguing that we should do a ban on, on, uh, AR-15s, for example. And when I was pointing out, they account for less than 2% of gun deaths. And that's including all rifles or even less than that, because that's including rifles 
that are that are like hunting rifles, you know. And right. so if it's about sheer number of deaths, why are you just specifically targeting this this type of gun, which is responsible for like a minuscule number of, of deaths? And once you've pointed that out, then they'll move on to something else. Then it's like, okay, well, I'm not gonna first they're talking about number of deaths. And when you show them that their facts are wrong, then they'll move on to something like a different thing. And you're like, but you just yes. We were we were talking about number of deaths, and now you've shifted the goalpost, and we're talking about this other thing. And I don't know. Yeah, they do a lot. That's a lot of they do that a lot on gun control. Yeah, yeah. that's a good example. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any other ones that are coming to mind. But and I know you got to go. But, I gotta. Um, I gotta go um, to work, guys. And oh wait, first we're gonna thank people. Gary. Oh yeah. We're going to thank, are we going to do the list? We're going to do the list, but first we're going to thank everyone who contributed in chat. Jason M contributed in chat today. Uh, Daniel Morrell contributed in chat today because your laugh is beautiful, Carrie. So that's all you. Aaron Ferris contributed I'll, in chat. You better send me that $2. Uh -huh. <laughs> Andrew Beckman contributed in chat. <laughs> Westy Forty contributed in chat. And then Epistavis contributed in chat. And then Robin Capuano. So that's a long list that that's probably the most chats we've ever gotten. So, or chat, whatever, super chat things. Um, so, but now I would like to read the other list because the other list is, um, these are people who are regular subscribers and these are people who bear with me guys. I know sometimes maybe you don't want to hear, but give these people uh, a little bit of love because these people are spending their hard earned cash to send us every month. On subscribe star um and so, special thanks to nicole the mountain people who gave me a microphone and nicole the mountain person gave you a microphone yep <laughs> um, so by the way the list that's in front of me doesn't include one-time contributions and i can't really read them out because i don't have a clear list of who will allow me to read their name out on one-time contributions so if you've done one-time stuff you're not being thanked right now but you got an email from me um so uh stephen blackheath uh lucy kent Onufrachuk, Dagny Taggart Knits, Ruben Butte, JR, Spock's mom, Nula's mom, Jacob Fetterecci, Grim Space, Javier Laura, Lindsay Peterson, Taya Smith, Tony and Carol, Oz Longy, Knit Fragility, Keith Bissett, The Honorable Nicole M. Pratt, Esquire, Queen of the Mountain People, Omara 67, Hester Prine, Dr. Carlin B., and Scotty Scott, who's uh, an actually existential threat who gives us $100 every month. Um, plus, there's some anonymous people who don't want to be named. But uh, thank you very much, all of you. Um, yeah, you're enabling this to you're enabling this to go, and someday Carrie will someday Carrie will be able to do this full time, and she won't have to run to a job. Uh, <laughs> so um, wait, what's seventy percent? What are you supposed I, to ask, Carter? Oh, she was asking how much do we keep of super chats, which I don't know, but I think it's like seventy percent, right? Oh. I don't actually know. I'll have to look it up, but I can look it up. Um, so soon YouTube will just steal it all. Oh, but, and uh, quick question. Do you guys want to wait and do, we haven't talked about this yet, but we did the vote on book club. Oh, uh, what one? Fahrenheit. Okay. And I was thinking we should probably pick a date <clears throat> after the holidays, right? Uh, Nobody wants to read this and do book club discussion right during the Christmas season, do they? I don't know. I kind of want to do it in between Christmas and New Year's when I'm off of work. Well, oh, I mean, I'm I see. Off of work, 
but a lot of people are off of work at that point. So like family's off of work and like, you're kind of hanging out, but I don't know. We can ask in book club on okay. Facebook. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, thanks. Thanks for watching everyone. Um, thanks for subscribing. We will uh, see you. I think we're doing live Covfefe tomorrow like we normally do. And there's a bunch of different stuff to talk about um, that people have sent us. So we will try and get on some of that. Um, yeah. Thanks for watching. See you all tomorrow. Bye, Carter. Bye. Bye.